0: In the world of the 24-hour news cycle, where every story is given the same amount of urgency and magnitude, one podcast dares to say, hold on just a second. This week and every week, we look back at the headlines, moments, and trends from six months ago, and we ask our panel, let's process this. I'm your host, Chris Pappas. Hello, dear listeners, and welcome back to this week's episode of Let's Process This. I am your host, Chris Pappas. I've got two exciting guests joining me this week. We have John Foster back for another round, and we also have joining us for the first time, Christopher best jonathan foster is a producer writer and director whose work can be seen on disney plus netflix and amazon he's the artistic director of thicket and thistle and is currently leaning into his plant daddy era john foster welcome back to the show of course this is our first segment which is called chronically online where we ask our guests to bring in something from their side of the algorithm that shows off a little bit about who they are. So what have you brought in for us this
1: week, John? This afternoon, I I noticed when I was preparing for this, because I was like, yeah, like what's showing up in my algorithm? And then I asked myself the question, what's not showing up in my algorithm? And the answer kind of took me on this like really fascinating thought journey. And I want to have this conversation really quick of you know what i haven't seen any news about at all in like the past like two three days anything coming up in my algorithm at all was anything about trump's indictment last week and to me that is such a huge deal that like even like it, when the when it was all happening everyone's like this is uh historical like this is crazy we're gonna be talking about this forever and y'all it's been a less than a week and nobody's talking about it. And I just thought that that was fascinating. I'm
0: curious how that's hitting you all. I, I think it just goes to show that like white collar crimes are boring. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, yeah, we finally indicted him. And the first thing we got him on was just, I mean, like the most exciting part of it is like, sure, the hush money payments went to a porn star, but like, until Stormy Daniels is like fully living her Roxy Hart fantasy on the stands, like, it's not going to be that interesting. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Crazy stuff. The only other thing that I wanted to throw in here, because I feel like now is probably a good time to throw this in there. This past week, Finland, ran by our favorite Sarah, Sarah Marin, uh, joined. We the, love her. Joined the UN, and so that's a little life update on Sarah, Sarah Marin.
0: You mean join join NATO? Join NATO? Did I say the UN? <laughs> join NATO. You said the UN. They've been I, in the UN. I but was joining NATO. Joining NATO was a big deal. <laughs> joining NATO was <is> a <laughs> huge deal john foster the like one of the other the only other person other than santa Marin's mother who has a google alert for her name (laughs) it's true it's true so so quickly my my mother listened to that episode and she called me and she was like great episode no no three of you men mentioned the fact that she's a woman and the fact that (laughs) If she had been a man, none of this would have been would have been happening. I was like, you know what, mother, you're correct. So if you're listening, mom, I took your note. <laughs> Christopher Basile is an award-winning director, actor, and producer working in theater and film. Currently in pre-production on several projects, he's also a writer, producer, performer in the Thwarp. Inc. family of podcasts, including Pod Leadum, the bitch cast. And it's an honor just to be podcasted. And most importantly, he's the first guest we've had on this podcast whose name does not begin with letter J. So welcome, Christopher. <laughs> Hello there. So welcome to the podcast. And uh, so welcome to this section, Chronically Online. Mm-hmm. What did you bring in from your side of the algorithm for us?
2: Okay, so unfortunately, I guess I am also the diversity hire in that I am definitely not chronically online as a person. However, my husband who produces this show, Lex, is, and he loves to send me and show me things that I have to then put up on my own stuff. So that ruins my algorithm because I don't want to be watching a lot of these things. And one thing that he's destroyed any form of algorithm I might have had is he constantly makes me watch Delta works fast food commentary videos. (laughs) <laughs> I am not someone who dislikes Delta work in any way, shape, or form. I just don't necessarily care one way or another about these videos, but I have seen every single one of them. And every time he doesn't warn me that that's what he's going to be showing me. <laughs> what,
1: what is in this Delta work? What, what are the components of a Delta work video? Oh,
2: have you not seen these? I've not seen them. I just oh, love Delta okay. Delta work. <laughs> so Delta work has their own podcast that they do and A lot of it is just quiet ruminations on, I went to a Foster's freeze today, and when I got up to the drive-through window, they had the gall to hand me something in a cup when I distinctly (laughs) remember ordering it in a cone, and they didn't even bother to put the french fries in a separate bag. And I ask you, those are two separate temperatures. Does that not make an issue when you put them together? It's a lot of that sort of vein which again is fine. I just don't care that it means that is exactly everything I'm going to see forever.
0: It is. It is. Delta work kind of is the every woman. And I I think I empathize a lot with Delta with these fast food videos because I am the person who like when I finally break down and I'm like, oh my God, I have to get something to eat. I'm going to this Wendy's. I somehow manage to be behind the person who's never been to a fast food restaurant (laughs) before. (laughs) And is like, Hamburgers. Tell me more about what those are. And I'm like, you've got (laughs) to be kidding me. (laughs) All right, John, Christopher, thank you so much for bringing in those two things from your side of the algorithm. We appreciate it. Let's our guests get to know you a little bit better. So let's go ahead and let's dive on in to our first topic. Back in early December of 2022, I was taking a group of people I work for to the Museum of Modern Art here in New York City. I was pointing people where to go inside, and when suddenly I realized there was somebody waving me down from the window outside. About a third of my group had been stopped because of their bags. Their bags had food in them. We're not talking about bags of takeaway food here, but wrapped up souvenirs that they had bought for Christmas. This is when I learned that absolutely no food of any kind was being allowed in the museum because climate protesters were rumored to be targeting MoMA this is our first topic of the day. Six months ago, protesters threw tomato soup on Van Gogh's sunflowers in order to protest climate change. It was called Just Stop Oil. And these two protesters threw a can of tomato soup on a Van Gogh painting and then glued their hand to the wall to protest stopping oil. And that happened six months ago. It's such an
1: attractive and like terrifying form of protest. And I'm going to be honest, I don't know which side of the argument I fall on, on this conversation. Uh, oh, I, I know exactly going. where I'm going. I just like, <clears throat> I read I read a couple of different articles, like from very different points of view. And I'm like, Hmm, this sounds like there could be kind of a I don't know. But then I also do have a final ultimate opinion. But we can talk about that later. What
2: you... <laughs> okay, so I was extremely aware of this going on, because this also wasn't the first one of these that happened last year. This happened throughout the year at various museums throughout the world. And I was aware of every single one of these things. And the thing that I always found just hilarious was everyone was saying, they threw it on the painting when it's been revealed constantly, all those paintings have glass over them. Oh, yes. So yes. when they threw yes. soup at it, they, they threw it at glass that was covering the painting. I also read a bunch of articles where people are saying that could damage the painting, but my response is like, not really. They specifically designed these things to keep that from happening. Yeah, they're basically bulletproof. <laughs> yeah. I think I one of the articles
0: that I sent y'all was a was an actual art critic who kind of who I thought brought up an excellent point which was we could have actually been engaging in an actual conversation here about the energy usage inside of art museums and uh-huh. like what we mm-hmm. can do to reduce that carbon footprint. But instead it's just kind of like, well, we're talking about you throwing soup at the painting, but we're not talking about what the actual goal of the protest was.
2: Yeah. And that's the part that actually bothers me the most is every single article I've ever read about it. It's way down, like in the bottom third of the article that they mention that the painting was actually protected. And most of the article is about the audacity of doing this and how scary that is. And then even somehow further down the line is what they talking about actual, because every one of these is about climate change. Everyone, these is about oil or energy usage, and they're from different uh, activist groups. But that's been something that's unified them. And yet, it's it almost feels like they're talking about the damage of the paintings as a distraction from talking about what the protesters were actually trying to engage with. Which is both the fault of news organizations, but also to some degree the fault of the, the protesters themselves. Something
0: else that I found interesting too was, and I and I went back sure and I and I double checked this, and that was they take cryptocurrency. Just Stop Oil takes cryptocurrency which are is serious? infamously bad what? for the environment yes yeah. yes. What? they take Ethereum as payment yeah which is like, <sighs> like if, wow. if, if there's kind of like oh, one wow. it's like if there's like two things you don't want to do that are good for the environment like number one is don't have kids number one number two is like don't use crypto
1: No, yeah. stop having babies and bitcoins they're all bad for you and the environment oh my god I did not know that that is horrifying add into it i mean there is something though about like okay sure the way that they're doing it is not okay but there is something really fascinating of like the argument that it brings up of like why are we so upset about these oil paintings when like in a couple hundred years this world is going to be burned you well, know like is there any is
2: there any room for that like argument at all well yeah I, i'm very much with you this and bringing up the article that chris talked about which i did find fascinating i i found his argument about that they should have directed the, the issue being specifically how art museums use energy. That is a true concept, but really, yeah, art museums have to keep temperatures and uh, atmospheric conditions in a very specific window mm-hmm. uh, in order to preserve paintings. And yet we're talking about things that will just destroy it, climate change destroying everything to begin with, but also they're not putting these paintings in danger. Right. I don't think Chris knows this, but I years ago, years ago, I used to be a professional artist and so i had dipped my little toe into that world Uh and so i became obsessed with a lot of other things and especially when this stuff started coming up i was remembering things i had studied years ago about uh like the mona lisa uh like the history of things that happened at that that it was a minor painting until 1911 when it was stolen because the guy who was building the frame said like this doesn't belong in paris and bring it back to italy and that's when it became famous And then three times, and I think it was 1956, it was tried to be destroyed by a razor, acid, and a stone. And this was with no glass protecting it, and they still barely was able to do any damage to it. And then they put glass around it. And then it went to Japan, I want to say 1974, where a person with disabilities tried to spray it with red spray paint and only got the glass as a way of um, protesting the way that that Japan museum made things inaccessible to people with disabilities. And guess what it worked they created things to allow it to happen mm. and then in 2009 i want to say it someone threw a teacup at uh the mona lisa because she that's had in just her bag bad. which is yeah that's just comedy but, <laughs> but, but, but then in like in this last year in 2022 a, a man dressed up as an old woman in a wheelchair stood up and smeared the glass with cake as the oh. protest for climate change and like if we are so many people are trying to destroy a piece of art and they can't for a century like i'm not worried about people throwing a can of soup at it and it's not even like a closed can it's an open can they throw the soup at it right like that's not going to do damage to glass covering a van gogh yeah no.
1: i did note that one of the other like follow-up links on this article was like why does this keep happening to van gogh paintings like <laughs> 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 the article then spelled out like oh yeah this happened this is like happening recently to a lot of different van gogh paintings mm-hmm. all in all because of it's, it's like oil paintings so it's all in like protest of oil movements it was fascinating
2: Mm i i'd heard that also it seems like a lot of the times it's the museum that is closest to the protesters and they go after the most expensive thing at that museum Mm -hmm. van Gogh happens to be a very expensive artist right now and has been for a long time i'll turn this on its head okay
0: each of you has one can of tomato soup and access to any art museum in the world (laughs) which painting do you know of can soup at no, and it doesn't destroy it. It doesn't destroy it just just because you you just want it because you, you're just you're making your own statement.
2: Oh, because of for sure, camp. I'm throwing a can of tomato soup at Andy Warhol's cans of tomato soup. Yeah, that, that just I, yes. I, yeah. I I don't know if there's another answer I could come up with. <laughs> I would definitely like. There's something about it that
1: I would love to just like throw some soup on water lilies. <laughs> <laughs> water lilies, just to be like. I don't know. I, <laughs> I'm curious what, like, bright orange soup would look like in contrast to that uh, purple and green. No political statement, just
0: curiosity. No, pol- <laughs> just what, what does that lunch look like? For me, it's going to be the Last Supper. Oh, <laughs> iconic.
2: I mean, camp. Right it's like,
0: for me it's the last it's just it's just funny it's just like putting some food on the dishes you know just like they had all that bread do we do we know what course they were at i don't know I
1: saw, yeah i saw bread there it was definitely before the blood
0: sacrifice <laughs> the soup is the entree shall we move on to topic number two interestingly enough this topic also has to do with color as well <laughs> school choice abortion access critical race theory all hot button issues at the very heart of America's ongoing culture war. Yet, one brand just seems to find itself entering the arena over and over again. That brand is, of course, M&M's. Six months ago, m&m's introduced their first new color in a decade the purple m&m voiced by comedian amber ruffin represents acceptance and inclusivity and nothing makes adults on the news rage more than the idea of acceptance and inclusivity let's take a listen just a quick content warning though for transphobia homophobia and Tucker Carlson.
1: And uh, very briefly, just M&Ms, those chocolate peanutty things. They've got a new one. They've got a purple woke m M&M. and I'm already... Uh, that's it. No more M&Ms for me. They're gone. The purple woke M&M uh, is a spokes candy pushing acceptance and inclusivity. Not in my car, he won't be. Perfect. Well,
0: how do they... Why do they have little rainbow ones? Can't they paint all the little stripes <laughs> by hand? They'd be very, you oh, know... no, no. The, the stripes are now very bigoted you need to have the triangles and oh, the circles you need to have all stuff. the new and where's colors? the ukraine flag m M&M? m <laughs> that's
2: what i want to know m m's you know the candy we all grew up eating well they released their brand new character in over a decade and the brand new character is purple m M&M, m which is supposed to represent inclusivity and acceptance i think it's a female character but i'm pretty sure they haven't said maybe it's transgender
1: The green M&M you will notice is no longer wearing sexy boots, now she's wearing sensible sneakers. Why the change? Well, according to M&M's quote, we all win when we see more women in leading roles because leading women do not wear sexy boots. Leading women wear frumpy shoes, the frumpier the
0: better. All right, I had to leave in the Tucker (laughs) Carlson one about the green shoes. The green because every time he says sexy boots it's like and,
2: and I and know this is an audible medium but all three of us are holding our heads while watching. This. I I <laughs> the idea that like inclusivity
1: is like d- d- not in my car, not in not, this house. The, not, not in my
0: car? Why was it the car? First of all, if you leave m ms in your car, those They're get, gonna melt because you live in Australia. And it'll become a candy bar because yeah. that's how it works. Yeah, I, I know we we constantly are asking the question, are the kids all right? But really, when it comes to MMs and what they what what the branding choices of this candy seems to do to a certain generation of people, we have we have to ask, are the adults all right? Yeah, like I'm not gonna lie, when I heard this
1: going on um uh, six months ago, I was more just like Really in love with the idea of Maya Rudolph, like, because a couple of weeks later, oh, right? Like, yeah. the whole like, Maya Rudolph thing, like, that's when I got my hook into this story because I love, uh, like, a, a BSA, as it were. But this idea that, like, people are getting really outraged by it, like, I'm not feeling outraged. And so I'm asking myself, like, is that just because, like, I, I, I don't eat a lot of Ms and, like, I'm just, like, not a part of this culture war? Or is it really just not that big of a deal to have a Fucking purple MM that is okay with inclusivity and positive acceptance. Right? Like, <laughs> acceptance.
2: What's I mean, the problem? I mean, really truly for me, I I don't think I was particularly aware specifically to the purple MM-ness of this. I think it was six months before that was the green MM no longer sexy heels, uh really yucking uh Carl Tuckerson's yum about that for some reason. So I was aware of that, and I think I was aware of the aftermath of the purple MM. But man, can we just take a moment? and think about the year long troll that M&M's did for this it was <laughs> so i yeah. mean it it started with them changing shoes they saw what happened and then they spent a full year screwing yeah. with these people so yeah. hard
0: free advertising it was yeah. all free advertising they and and the conservative media fell right into the mars candy corporations <laughs> trap they fell right into it
2: yeah like here's the thing for jonathan like i don't think you're wrong i don't think people in general actually cared about this right. i don't think Any progressive was asking for a progressive M&M because they are M&Ms. They are not people. That's the other thing. This is not a thing. This is not a thing that anyone was fighting for. M&Ms decide, as all companies do, they slightly change a thing and see if they maybe pop up on a news feed like, oh, so-and-so got a new look. And it doesn't matter if it's good or bad. It's just, it's a change. And they got this reaction. They're kind of like, oh, all we have to do is just really like needle them. And they get this for... A full year. So they get a Super Bowl commercial that people were looking forward to. And they got trolled by chocolate covered clams.
1: <laughs> That's <laughs> the other <laughs> thing. Christopher, you brought up a great point. These are fictitious characters. Like, yes. I feel like the same people who get upset about this are the people who get upset when you say that Santa Claus is black. They're like, no, they lose their fucking <laughs> shit. And they're like, it's made up. It's a fake character. Like, it's not real. It's, uh, it's. Humanity.
0: It's fascinating. <laughs> and St. Saint, Saint Nicholas, iconically, from Turkey. <laughs> <laughs> what, what can you do? <laughs> facts,
2: America. Facts are facts. Facts are facts. Jonathan, I'm also with you. I am always going to be happy when I hear that Maya Rudolph is doing anything. Yes. It did feel really weird when they said, like, you know what? We're getting rid of the characters completely. Maya Rudolph is our only spokesperson now. And the fact that she just was like, yes, let's do this. I will stay silent about this for four months. She knew. She knew. And she was just like, okay. I'm like putting myself
1: in Maya's shoes. Like, what was that call like when, like, her manager called and was like, all right, Maya, I just got off the phone with Mars. They are getting rid of the candies and uh, they want you as their spokesperson. But here's the deal it's all fake. (laughs)
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Is it like how Alan Rickman knew going into the Harry Potter movies that he'd be the hero at the end? Like, but he, he knew he knew going into that first movie that he he that uh that his character was the hero. So yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, do you think Maya Rudolph had that moment of being like, here's the deal. You're actually the hero. To, oh my God.
2: Because it's a whole financial thing. Whether you're doing a spokesperson for one commercial or for a year. You have to know about that kind of stuff. So she 100% knew and sat like just twiddling her thumbs, giggling to herself about, Oh, just you wait. And also like,
0: I love to imagine because
2: Billy West is the voice actor
0: for the red M&M. Yep. And he's the voice of Philip Fry on Futurama and just like so many other things. And I, just feel like he must have just been so happy, just quiet too. Oh, just to quick to quickly catch the audience up, just in case oh, they did not yeah. know. So the M and M's M and M Corporation announced due to the controversies that they were ending the spokes candies, and they were hiring Maya Rudolph to just be their spokesperson at the Super Bowl. Maya Rudolph made her debut. Basically, the M and M's corporation was just like jk lol of course we're not getting rid of these candies they're back and my this whole thing was just a giant joke for
2: publicity yeah and if you thought they were being kind of subtle the commercial she was in for the Super Bowl I wasn't lying they were for chocolate covered clam that was the new flavor of Eminem that she was promoting (laughs) and in the back of the commercial at the end they had the spokes candies holding up a sign saying like help (laughs) in case you were all
1: confused (laughs) When I first, actually, the way that I first heard about this was actually through a meme page that I followed, and they had like edited the uh, M and M's post that they made about like, hey, our um, our candies are taking a step back, and we're we're introducing Maya Rudolph, and it continued at the um the paragraph underneath it was like, and to show how truly sorry we are, we have elected Maya Rudolph to single-handedly take every single m M&M and character and bludgeon them to death on national television <laughs> as a way of us saying,
0: we're sorry, America, will never change shoes again. <laughs> never. it it seems like this discourse is certainly happening a lot right now where it's just like these companies are too woke and i'm gonna buy from this company because they're not woke and it's like yeah it's like they all have pride floats y'all they they're all they all have pride floats like like
1: they all have pride floats and they all donate to
2: anti-gay charities like they're all (laughs) evil It's almost like corporations are an equal opportunity kind of organization. Not capitalism. <laughs> Shucks, oh, no. Oh, no.
0: It's a theme that keeps coming up on this show.
2: <laughs> Somehow.
1: It just keeps coming up. I'm still processing capitalism. Sorry. <laughs> I know. I'm,
0: yeah, we're all still processing capitalism. We have one more topic that we are going to discuss today. And this is our super secret topic, listeners. Ooh. So today, I'm doing something a little bit different for our guest. I'm going to play them just the audio of the super secret topic and see if they can remember this moment from early October.
1: Oh, I live for this. Oh, no. I'm so excited. (laughs) (sighs) Yep. I know this is.
0: All right, guests. I'm going to count to three. And on three, say what you think it is. One, two,
2: three. Lizzo playing Madison's crystal flute. The glass flute,
1: crystal flute,
0: crystal flute. (laughs) Yes, that is correct, if you (laughs) will. Our our final topic of the evening, our super secret topic, is Lizzo playing James Madison's crystal flute at the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C. Everyone was so
2: mad. They were so mad. (laughs) Wait, were people actually mad? Anyone who
0: didn't actually play an instrument was mad. Everyone who actually plays instruments was like, oh, thank goodness, this 200 year old instrument sounds so good. Like, yeah. Like, I, I actually had a band director on a trip, like, a couple of weeks after that happened. And he was telling me, he was like, oh my gosh, like, that got kids really excited about like playing classical music he goes that like lizzo did more to like get kids interested in band and orchestra by playing a 16 bar cut on james madison's crystal flute in the library of congress than probably any other program that the united states currently has i live i love that i love that so much
2: so i'm i'm aware this happened i saw a video of it has anyone actually explained to any of us why james madison had a crystal flute to begin with
0: yes it was a gift of to him from france and it was actually one of the few artifacts that dolly madison saved from the white house when it was burning down down. (laughs) yeah yeah yes that crystal flute was like one of the few things that made it out of the white house and and so, yeah, it's, you know, it's a 200-something-year-old instrument. A, it's made out of crystal. So yeah. that's insane. So the fact that it even sounds like a flute, to, to me, it'd be, like, one of those things where it's like, oh, it's a crystal flute, which means when you play on it, it's going to sound... It's decorative. Honestly, I would assume you... it would sound like garbage, because, it's... <laughs> but apparently not. Do you think that they did, like, a practice run? before, like, all the cameras
1: showed up? Were they like, all right, how is this going to go off? (laughs) Oh, they must have.
2: (laughs) You don't just hand Lizzo an ancient flute and just say, okay, just go with (laughs) it.
0: (laughs) But what's really funny is is that I actually heard Lizzo give an interview talking about how one of the most frustrating things that happens to her when she's giving interviews is people are like, oh, here's this, like, bargain basement flute that we bought. (laughs) <laughs> Can you play it real fast? And she's like, "If you buy me a twenty-five dollar flute, it's going to sound like a twenty-five dollar flute. Uh, mm. This is a mm. fifty thousand dollar flute." And so yeah. it's like, "Wow, what a difference!" I mean, truly wow. shocked
2: that it's only fifty thousand. But
0: yes, I imagine that they would have had to have somebody test it. Yeah, I believe I believe that's what I read.
2: Also, I don't think we're talking enough about how many times that White House has burned down in those early years. <laughs> <laughs> just,
0: just the once. <laughs>
2: Oh no! Was it just kind of like ransacked when uh, War of eighteen Jackson's twelve? People, okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. No, Andrew Jackson's inauguration was wild, and yeah, uh, yeah they ransacked it during Andrew Jackson's inauguration. But no, it, it only it only burned down for the one time, from from what I recall. Okay. But no, lots of crazy stuff has happened in that house. Mary Todd Lincoln, for example. <laughs> <laughs> when I hear this story, I'm really
1: just kind of like. What I think not a lot of people are talking about is how fucking amazing Lizzo is <laughs> like that. Yeah. Like, I just like I love her, some of her albums have like gotten me through like the toughest of tough times. And then on top of that, when I like I, re- I hear about this, I'm like, oh, yeah. And she also plays the flute like that's just so random to me. And I just I love it about her. I love people who have random attributes like that.
2: It reminds me of when. For Drag Race All-Stars, some of my favorite things when they do the talent shows is when it's actually a non-drag-related random talent. And you go yes. wait. It's like I'm sorry. You can do this other thing that has nothing yes. to do with this other aspect of your career that you're also clearly good at. That's like it just rounds a person out in a way that I very much appreciate.
1: I 100 percent agree, Christopher. I I hate I hate when talent show uh, episode drag queens do a lip sync. It's like yeah. well, we're gonna get we're gonna get to that, dear. What else can you do? <laughs> can you bob for apples? Can you know like rollerblade?
0: I don't know. Light something on fire. You know, you just you just want to see him uh, let loose, you know? Yeah, let loose. God Dear. damn it.
2: <laughs> Dear Heavenly Father. What's your excuse?
0: What's your excuse? Let loose. Could, could, could not bring it up at this point. <laughs> Move over, to Zeus. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so to bring to bring it back to to, to uh, James Madison's flute and Lizzo. Yeah, it, it was interesting. Just kind of like the, the backlash of this being like, you know, it's like, oh, you know, uh, the sacredness of the presidency. It's like the people who I talk to actually play instruments. It's like, but you want these instruments are meant to be played. They're meant to have sounds created from them to just put it into a case and never hear it again. It's like, that's, that's the real crime, not. Lizzo twerking while playing it. Exactly.
1: Absolutely. Agreed. What did she play? Do we know what she played? I do not remember now. I'm gonna look it
0: up live. Okay. Oh my gosh, it's happening. Research <laughs> is happening live. Do it, research, daddy.
1: Fun fact Lizzo played the Carnival of Venice beginning and an excerpt from Francis Peluque's Flute Sonata one three three. There you
0: okay. go, flutists. Flautists. We're giving you that hot flute content that you all crave. Do you
2: guys remember the movie Hustlers where Lizzo played basically an extra in it as a stripper whose stripping job was she played the flute while doing it? And, and we never saw her routine. We just saw her backstage with her flute. I have seen that movie twice, and I did not clock that. <laughs> did you not notice her in the dressing rooms cheering on other people while, like, pumping her flute up in
1: the air? It's like, I've I seen that movie, and now that you're saying it, I'm like, oh, my God, that was Lizzo.
0: you're always just like what who's that random woman with the flute three amazing topics two amazing guests let's take a moment to enter into the last section of our show where we process this gentlemen we're gonna go back recap the three topics that we had and we're gonna ask our guests have we processed this we will start with protesters throwing a can of tomato soup at a van gogh painting gentlemen have we processed this
2: I don't think so. I feel like because we moved away from what even the protesting was about to supposedly to begin with that it just kind of disappeared from conversation. Yeah, I think that it's it's such a it's a
1: to me, I, I, I still, I said at the beginning of this, I don't know what side of the fence I'm on. And I still kind of feel like the great arguments heard by all, but I still don't have a definitive decision on like, I, what's more fascinating to me about this is like the idea that like, yeah, we're all, we're all gonna die soon. Like we're like, this planet is burning and all you care about is like some old paintings that, you know, don't really matter. But then also the other end of like, you know, you don't do that to
0: art, I don't know. I still haven't figured it. I, I'm i still still processing. Still processing. Well, I had about twenty guests whose bags couldn't go into MoMA because um, they had they had like Christmas gifts that they had just bought. So I had to carry twenty bags to the Starbucks across the street from MoMA what? while my guests went inside and enjoyed the art museum. Oh, right. so to those cl- climate protesters, I say, well. You certainly annoyed me that day. So thank you for that. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm, I think I'm kind, of, I'm kind of on Foster's wavelength of I can see both sides of it. But also at the same time, I'm a little i am tipped a little bit more towards like I find this more annoying than I do useful. All yeah. right. Heading on to our second topic. Have we processed the purple M&M? Yes. It's been thoroughly <laughs> digested. Yeah. I think when
1: we're done here, I'm going to go down to the store and I'm going to go find me a bag of M&Ms, preferably purple colored.
2: Actually, can I just, sorry, I just, can we ask, did they actually make purple M&Ms? Did they ever actually show up in bags? Or was it just in the-
0: Yes, the purple M&M is officially, is officially made. This is like, it's like we are introducing this new color and it's our first color in a decade. Uh, so yes, the purple M&M is available in bags. And yeah, I think I've certainly processed it because um, as somebody who- weirdly enough kind of has to go to the m&m store like once a week uh yeah <laughs> oh you can god.
1: i of course of course what oh no. was going on at the m&m store in Times square when all this was happening oh Did they take all the
0: spokes candies down and replaced them with statues of maya rudolph <gasps> Please. Yeah, they, they they were all still the spokes candies were still there were still there in Times square oh my god i will okay just <laughs> So real quick, I'm, I was in Times Square, and this was like right when the, the green M&M thing happened. And uh-huh. I just hear this, the green M&M comes up on, on the screen, and I just hear this kid behind me go, Mmm, look at that grussy.
2: <laughs> um, okay, you said kid. How old are we talking here?
0: High school. Ugh. No. Yeah. No. Yeah so the adults aren't all right the kids aren't all right and it's all eminem's fault all right moving on to our third topic lizzo plays james madison's flute at the library of congress have we processed this yeah
2: i think we're good, good. that the flute's not broken lizzo's still doing well james madison's still dead yeah they got a good rehearsal in
1: before to know make sure that, that flute was going to sound good i had to process that um other than that i think i'm set on this
0: i agree yeah it it I was just so on Lizzo's side that I was just like, you know, she can do no wrong. And it's like, and it's obvious that it's something that she got a lot of joy out of. And there were a lot of people who got a lot of joy out of it. Uh, So it's kind of like, don't kill Joy. Don't kill Joy.
1: I'm happy to go a step further. And I'm happy to say that if Lizzo was playing it and then for some reason it broke and destroyed, I still would be on Lizzo's side. I just think she can do no wrong. I don't fucking care.
2: So you're saying even if she did it on purpose, that she took – after she finished, she did like a 1980s guitar smash onto the speaker, smashed that flute to pieces. Yeah, yeah, and said, fuck the patriarchy. I would have been like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Honestly,
0: fair. (laughs) Honestly, (laughs) fair. This has been another incredible episode of Let's Process This with two awesome guests, Christopher and John. Let's take a moment here. Christopher, do you have anything you would like to plug?
2: Uh, just start following me on Instagram. It's the only thing I'm really kind of on. I have other accounts, but I don't look at those. Uh, Christopher C. Basile.
1: Different from, uh, the, the, the last uh, time that I was here. Follow me on Instagram. I have some really uh, exciting projects coming up that I'm contractually not allowed to talk about, and I am about to move to Brooklyn, and so you can follow me and watch my chronology of me moving to a new part of town.
0: All right. I want to thank our two awesome guests, Christopher and John. Make sure you head over and follow them on social media. Make sure you like and follow the show as well, five stars only. And remember, my name's Chris Pappas, and I'm encouraging you to go touch some grass.